Hello and welcome to Tom Meets Interesting People. This is the podcast where I meet everyone from voice actors to nuclear engineers to talk about their work, their projects and their processes. You're going to have to forgive my voice today. Now, when I tell you who this next guest is and what he's currently doing, I know many of you will think that this sounds boring and you will want to switch to another episode, but I ask that you stay for this one. Regardless of where you might be in society or where you are in the world, politics plays a massive role in our lives. Every policy that is made has some kind of effect, be that tax, education, health, transport or any other sector you can imagine. My guest today is Eric Johnson. He's currently running for City Council in St Albans, Vermont, a beautiful part of the world, but also he's someone like me who does everything and doesn't stop. Uh, he's also a web designer, a photographer, a drone pilot, and before that, he was an EMT. Eric, I want to welcome you to the show. Um, me. I gave you a brief introduction there very, very quickly, but I just want to know like your context. Let's kick us off. Yeah. Why so much? <laughs> I've never been one to be known to not want to take on more. Um, it doesn't mean I'm over busy. It means I'm active, and that that's always been a big thing for me. Uh, I, I like to joke with people, and it's not a joke, it's a serious thing, but there's a test you take to determine if you're an introvert or an extrovert, and uh, it, mine came out 98% extrovert, um, which I'm still trying to figure out where that 2% is uh, on the introvert side. So, But yeah, I like to be active in the community, I like to volunteer for stuff, uh, I like to cook and eat, um, and I like to have friends and go out with friends and stuff, because it's just like being around people engages me and kind of boosts me up. So... Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'm kind of curious as well about, um, like, you've, you've, you've gone from EMT to web designer to photographer. Like, that's a career jump and a half. So what's, is there a story behind that? Well, a little bit. So going on the helping people side, when I was in college, uh, we had a, a, a student that died on campus, and it kind of brought um, awareness to the college that we needed an EMT group. And a friend of mine got, us, got me into it along with a, my other best friend. And uh, it just became this opportunity to learn more in the medical side. Now, I've always been the type that if I've cut myself, I cover it up, you know, that kind of thing. But when I was in, in the field and the adrenaline was going, I was able to engage and save people. And that felt really good. Um, and, you know, helping people is a big thing about that. But EMT was kind of the volunteer thing I did for years. Uh, I started in college around 2004 and I ended uh, around 2012. I think. Um, so, you know, over 10 years of being an EMT and it just got to a point where I needed a break. There was a lot of, you know, good times, a lot of sad times. And I just needed that kind of breather. But to answer your question, I got into photography way back in high school. Uh, so when I get to college, my uh, best friend, John Adams, he was a photographer as well. And he brought me in to continue growing my experience in and I became a professional photographer. So that's kind of ridden all the way along as I went through my primary career that kind of, you know, paid the benefits and got the insurance, but also kind of, I felt good about doing. So I always try to find that career that tied in well. So now I'm a communication specialist with Milton Town School District, which ties well into my photography side and the website design piece that's been a passion since I was a kid. So building websites since, well, I say as a kid, websites are just a thing when I was first a kid. So 
as the web grew, I learned about it, which kind of helped me embrace it more. So I got into doing the website development for our EMT group in, in college and then nonprofit groups and then eventually doing businesses. So that's been kind of my drive with that, but tied well into the creative side of photography and the communications side. So, yeah, I think all of it kind of culminated together and I've never really done one after the other. It's just been kind of growing on this communications kind of point of view. So it sounds like kind of like helping people. That's like a running theme in your life, obviously with the EMT. Guess so. Does that also, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it does. Uh, but does that also kind of influence why you're in politics now? So, yeah, um, the last seven years I've been on what's called the St. Albans for the Future. It's an organization that merged with the city um, years back before I actually joined and is now called the Downtown Board. And that group is all about bringing people to our community, uh, helping small businesses out, um, helping the community discover things to do in St. Albans. So that kind of grew me into the, the municipal side of things. And then I got into the Design Advisory Board a few years ago. And that was a great opportunity for me to kind of shape the future while keeping historic feel of St. Albans. And I love being part of that board. Actually, I should say past, I love being part of that board. And if I do win city council, I'll have to step down from that board, which will honestly be the most sad part for me, along with the downtown board, stepping back from those, um, still having an active role volunteering, but just not being able to play as critical a role at that level, but hoping that I can play more of a critical role above that level, you know, working with, uh, policy ordinances, helping the city discover issues or sorry, resolve issues, uh, you know, addressing the public safety piece with break-ins and car thefts and um, porch robberies, as well as, you know, kind of getting that communication component to go in again with between the community, the city and the people understanding what's happening, what projects are going on. So I think I can do more, but that's kind of the backing of that. Like I got into politics not for the political side and not to somehow gain title or anything. It's more of an opportunity for me to give back even more now that I've kind of reached that point of like leadership on these organizations. And now the next step is city council. So my next question for you for that is how do you balance all of it? Like you're spending you've got like a hundred jobs. Like I've known you for a little while now and you are always working till like one in the morning. So how, how are you balancing that? I, I think it's one of the morning your time, my friend. It's normally, it's normally nine or 10 o'clock here, but um, yeah, I, I, I find it's, it's good having a job like I have um, as a communication specialist, because what I can do is I get in there nice and early and I get a lot done. And that kind of leaves me time at the end of the day to focus on my community piece. Uh, working with the groups, working with events that we're planning. Um, I, I think my balance comes from if I have too much downtime, I don't know what to do with myself. And so I have to fill those downtimes with um, things to do. And the things to do are more for me, as I pointed out, are do engaging, doing something that gets out with people. Um, it's not all about giving back. Sometimes it's about just having fun. Sometimes it's about sitting in the backyard near the campfire. I do those things, I promise. Um, I play this game with this great guy I know. <laughs> and Hello. that helps kind of give me a break. <laughs> exactly, right? Um, that gives me a break from reality, I want to call it. Um, but reality, I love it. I, I love knowing so many people in my community. And I think just filling my calendar with many things that are community-oriented is just so important to me. Mm -hmm. So I get the sense that you love St. Albans. Bit of a leading question. That. I think you can see where <laughs> I'm going with this one. Uh, I, I'm not exactly Wolf Blitzer right now. 
Um, but tell me, because I'm in the UK, um, I've never been to the States. Sell St. Albans to me. Yeah, let's say yeah, because you're going to get over here and visit. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, St. Albans, it's, it's not as old as some of the cities over there. I know that. Um, but it's got a, a strong and rich history. Um, it goes, we were the northernmost point of um, battle in the Civil War. So that's kind of a point of reference of time and stuff is how long St. Albans has been here. And that's a piece of pride for a lot of people around here. They have um, an annual recognition of that battle. Um, and they also, you know, they do a lot around Memorial Day. They have huge parades. So it's like they, they, they're really kind of a community that cares about, you know, their history. Uh, further, we've set up design advisory board because we have a rich historic history as far as the buildings go. So the, bu the buildings around here are zoned, uh, but that's more to keep a certain feel and look of this like historic um, preservation of the city while looking how we can advance some of the businesses we can bring in and job opportunities and growing, you know, housing and stuff. So it's like St. Albans is this rich little community that's diverse in population, which is beautiful. We have people of all levels. Um, and, you know, these people, you see them at firework events down Taylor Park and Taylor Park has a rich history itself. It's got a beautiful old bandstand, a gorgeous fountain, which was just redone by the Rotary a couple of years back. Um, and it, there's a ton of events that happen down there. In a couple of months, they're going to have um, the Easter egg hunt. It's an annual thing. They fill the park with eggs, put the kids behind tape and wait, announce, ready, set, go. And everyone just kind of pounces on the park, which is great. And I, I think it's just the community itself is really what makes St. Albans special to people. Uh, I think I, I lived in Massachusetts and Worcester County and, you know, Mass has its beautiful historic areas. Um, but it just the richness of St. Albans and the way they've preserved what St. Albans is and looks like it, it just there's nothing like it in the United States. And I've, I've been to Germany, I've been to Luxembourg, there's some beautiful historic cities and I would honestly compare it to some of them over some of the ones um, even in the States. I feel like I need to also clarify just for my UK listeners that we're talking about the old ones in America. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> not the ones just outside London. <laughs> I almost started with that. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful place. They're both beautiful, beautiful places to go. Um, so let's move on to politics now. I know, not everyone's favorite subject. That's why I started with all the fun stuff first. <laughs> why should I even bother about politics? Why should I bother about local politics? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of people nowadays, especially here, you see the rhetoric online that they believe, what's the point of voting? What's the point of having a voice? The same old people are going to get voted in. And, you know, having run through this election so far, or this campaign, I'm realizing that that mentality is kind of toxic because there's a lot of people that are retired and there's a lot of people that are at stay at home um, that have the opportunity to get out to vote. There's not a lot of people that, you know, spend their day at work, want to come home and then stand in line at town hall. So it's it's great that St. Albans has done things like um, registering to vote online, requesting mail and ballots if they need to so they can vote if they can't make it to City Hall. But I think like the big thing is like having a voice is it does still matter. Um, yes, you have the party lines and I'm not going to get into those because luckily city council is not um, partisan. It's, it's very non-party based, which I love. I mean, it's a dynamic group instead. Um, but like, I, I think there's this inclination to align with what your father, your mother, your neighbor, your best friend says. And, and really then it kind of washes out your, your voice. And I, I think having your own voice and standing out on your own, it still matters. Um, I've gone out to vote every year, uh, both in town meeting day and national elections. 
And we have another national election coming this fall, uh, which means that on town meeting day, they're going to be voting on primaries also, which uh, was a little bit of a shocker to me because I'm like, okay, we have a small amount that turn out to town meeting day every year, but now we're going to have a larger number turnout because it's the primaries. It's it, the national race is always more important to people. But I really think what people don't realize is your education tax, your municipal tax, all that stuff is local. That's your decisions made by your city council, by your Senate, your house, it's in the state. And I think unless you speak up and put the right people in play and the right people, you know, in the positions you need them in, you're just allowing the same old rhetoric to happen. You said the same old guard to remain in play or in place. I mean, so I, I think, I think turn off the news and pick up some of the literature that do your research into these pol uh, politicians, these candidates, learn about them, learn about their stances, figure out what they've done in the past. Are they somebody that came out of the blue? Are they somebody that's been in the community? Are they somebody that stands for what you believe in? Ask them the questions, because honestly, it's your opinion that's going to change the future for, you know, your community. I mean, I know Britain's a lot like that. It's your voice, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, I know you and me, we both have the sort of same stance on please vote. Um, but you mentioned research there and researching your candidate for somebody who's never even looked at their candidates before, um, and has made that choice. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to do it now. How do they even start that research? It's a good question. Um, some candidates like myself, um, set up websites that actually lay out how to reach us and have information about us. They talk about our candidacy and our values our positions. Um, some people are a little more silent. So asking your neighbors, hey, do you know somebody? Uh, what are they about? Um, li listening to some of the city council meetings that have happened, like see what they have voted for, what they voted against, uh, see if what they're saying in the news, and I know it's to put the news down, but see if what they're saying in the news matches up to what they've done in the past. And like that's a big piece because um, I think the news plays a very <laughs> critical card in our current culture. And what they see and hear on the news isn't always the full picture and finding like you're just saying where do you do the research that's a difficult choice you know that difficult topic i think you do the research by reaching out to these candidates and talking to them i am personally going out today and tomorrow i'm knocking on doors in my ward to you know introduce myself and ask them what their critical questions are for the city what's important to them because um, one of my key components of my, myself is to have their voices heard i want to be a conduit to the city which we should be as you know elected officials to be that conduit that people can use to find the right people to reach the right people reach the right voice you know have, make sure that their concerns are being brought up and not just written down and kind of lost in a pile so yeah i, I think and it goes back to that research piece um i really think it's going to be for local candidates especially finding them calling them asking them the, the critical questions. Um, a lot of them have their websites on their signs. They have their information out there, their phone numbers out there. Give them a call. I mean, we're a local community still. And yeah, a lot of people know each other. And just because you see a name and you know a name doesn't mean that name's the right person for you to vote for because they may not align with what you really want. So just try to get out there. Now, like I said, I have a website, so I make sure my candidates are able to or my constituent potentials are able to see what I'm all about, um, but not everybody does. All right. So let's say I've now done the research. I've like I picked who I want to vote for. 
uh, and just to avoid a certain uh, accusation of biasness, uh, I've, I've decided to vote for Bobby McBockface. Um, how do I do that? Like, obviously, it's going to be specific to St. Albans, but how, how, how do I vote? Yeah. So um, as I touched on a little bit there, uh, Vermont has done a great job about setting up an online portal. It's called My Voting Page, mvp.vermont.gov. It's where you can actually go put your last name in, you put your date of birth in, and it'll pull up if you're registered. If you're not registered, you can register to vote. Um, it also has the ability to order a mail-in ballot at that point, which became big with COVID. I know, and that's kind of a controversial subject, mail-in ballots, because everybody got them at one point. They're not doing that anymore. You're not going to get a ballot unless you request it. So if you're thinking you're going to just get it in the mail, make sure you visit that website and register to get it if you need it. Um, the other option is on March 5th, between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., going to the city hall. Uh, each city, each town or city has a office, a town office, a city hall where you can go in person and vote at the ballot, which has been a tradition since back in early England history, I guess. I mean, I don't know about England, actually. You guys didn't have much voting early on, right? Um, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a storied, long history with rotten boroughs and sort of like <laughs> different people getting the phone. I don't know enough. I can't comment. I can't comment. <laughs> Well, here, I mean, as as you know, and I don't want me to touch on the sensitive topic of talking on a British podcast here, but ever <laughs> since the Revolutionary War, voting's been a big thing here. Um, <laughs> because, um, you know, they don't want patriarchs, they don't want monarchs, they want elected officials that represent them. And I'm not saying that monarchs and patriarchs don't represent them, but they want to make sure the person's in for a specific amount of time. And if they're not filling that role, they have an opportunity to find somebody that will. Um, and I, I think like here, especially is just, like I said, getting online, registering to vote. You can actually, let me share a quick story. Uh, the high school I work at in Milton, they had a local group come in, register students who are going to be 17 on March 5th, but they're going to be 18 on, uh, in November for the, the national election. They're allowed to vote for the primaries but not for town meeting day. But that was an opportunity to get the students, young minds like register. Cause if you look at the numbers, a lot of people that vote nowadays are over the age of 60. Most of the majority over the age of 60, the, the younger generations aren't getting out to vote. Now, whether or not that's because they work, they're busy, they have kids. It's, it's, you know, yeah, it's important to realize that the experience and the, the wisdom of the older generation, they're going to hopefully elect the right people. But it's really the issues of modern day that these younger people are going to be impacted by, the children be impacted by. And that's where we really need these young minds and young parents to get out there and vote uh, and, and do their research first. Um, I, I hate uh, I hate the thought of like people just voting by name or recognition. Mm -hmm. I know there's a big thing about putting signs out. I've got signs out and it's like, oh, I, hey, I don't know who's running for our ward, but I recognize that name. It seems familiar. I'm going to check it off. I, I ask you not to do that. You don't have to check off a name if you don't recognize it when you're voting. If you don't know who's running for um, a judge position and, and you don't know any of the names on the list, don't check it off. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, now, I'm kind of curious about something because in the UK, uh, pretty much everything in politics is party-based. But you mentioned about 10 minutes ago, uh, you said that local politics, city council level over in the States is uh, non-partisan, non-party-based. So for someone who's not familiar, how does that actually work? <laughs> Good question. Uh, so I don't know about every state. I know in the uh, in Vermont, 
local select board and city council don't declare a party um, because there's the issues affect both parties at the city level. And that's, that's my opinion. Issues aren't polarized one way or the other, most of them at the city level. I mean, when you talk about safety and policing, there's going to be two sets of opinions, more conservative look and a more, you know, in, um, uh, progressive look at it. But at the city level, you're looking at more of how does the local issue affect us and impact us and how can we address that locally? And I, I think that it's good that we don't see parties at the city council level because we want to make sure we're not aligning with what our party wants if we don't all agree if we don't completely agree with what our party wants i mean there's issues that come across and i, I feel like this happens at the national level where you have um senators and house reps that they go along with something that their party wants just so their other part they're passionate about gets pushed through and i i, I just that, that bothers me i've always kind of wondered as well um how does one even run a campaign like yours like where, where do you even begin with that yeah so that's i love that like it kind of is a developing story so about three years ago i started getting a lot more involved with local you know politics so there's other people running that i actually stepped up and helped them out with their campaign i um went to a couple campaign parties where i get to meet people that and those are just like booster events where you raise money where you raise awareness you get to talk about your issues with people that are like-minded um and it's great because there's a couple people there that said hey eric you were closely involved in the project to redo the roads in your city especially my road it's like i was out there helping neighbors resolve issues that came up during the construction um, and reaching out to like the, the right of the right people to get that, you know, those issues addressed. Um, and they said, you know, you're, you're involved. You should really run for office. And I said, well, where would I start? And they said, well, you should do city council. So for the last three years, I've really been monitoring and following a lot of what happens around here and learning a lot more about what our city's needs are. And I started this um, back in July, asking the people, talking to my neighbors, talking to my the people I'm on boards with and asking them if these issues make sense and what would they want to see done if someone was elected and that would listen. And I'm not saying that people don't listen. It's just we want people that are always available, like, you know, call us, email us, let us be responsive to you. Um, so that really kind of drove me to want to get into it. So process wise, Back in November, I started laying out my whole entire campaign plan. I started figuring out my positions, my values, and I knew my values, but kind of getting them on paper. Um, I get a checklist together, and that's something I find value in. I have a project management experience. So having a checklist and a project plan is so important. And I know this is not the most exciting topic, but um, I, I think having that due diligence to make sure you're checking off all the boxes to complete something is just, it's important and something I've learned from my partner big time and she's pushed like hey always have a checklist always be ready uh, so then the first step was getting your petition signatures um, so the petition is 30 signatures saying yeah put Eric on the ballot so I went around in July I'm sorry January um, knocked on doors I met people I've never met before um, I've had friends recommend homes that were friends of theirs neighbors of theirs uh, I've met people I do know and they signed my petition and I got 38 signatures which was amazing uh, and luckily when you turn it in they do a review to make sure everybody is a voter in your ward because those only people can vote for me and all but one were in my ward the other person's registered but not in this ward they just got to be moved so that was a great feeling to know that I was going to be in the ballot. I was very happy when I got that email from the city clerk saying, yep, you're on, you're good. 
Um, so then February rolls around and I've started ramping up more of my campaign, getting my signs out, doing awareness campaigns on social media, putting letters into the letter um, to the letter to the editor for the local St. Albans Messenger, announcing my candidacy. I plan on putting more letters in. Um, I have friends that, you know, they believe in me and they're doing the same. They're talking to the neighbors, they're talking to their friends. Um, so I'm hoping over the next three weeks um, I can meet more people. Um, now we have a vacation coming up. So families are going to be heading out uh, the end of this month, right before election. So my goal is for the first two weeks coming up, like next week and the week and after, is hitting up those homes that are family-based, uh, make sure they know who I am before they head off on vacation and encouraging them to get out and vote. And then uh, the election day will come around. Um, I'll be one of the people standing outside with my sign, greeting people as they come in. Um, if people don't know who I am, I hope they come over and say hello. If they know who I am, I hope they come over and say hello. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then you just the uh, nervous nail biting at the end of the day there. Seven o'clock rolls around and you have to wait. And uh, we're fortunate nowadays because when we were kids, um, my mom had friends that ran for office and it would be a couple days possibly at times to get the count done. And nowadays with being digital, it's a little bit faster. They slide it through, it scans it, and they have a better idea what the numbers are. So we'll awesome. find out. So I, I'm guessing also as well that you kind of reading between the lines, you wanted to help people, but you didn't intend to get into politics. Am I reading that correctly? The intention was there. I think eventually I wanted to get into, you know, helping be helping by being elected and making the right changes and re-securing re re the changes that existed. The the laws that are already there, um, making sure they're the right laws or the right ordinances. So I, I think I was eventually going to get into politics. It's just where I got in was a question. Uh, I had a friend last night who actually reached out. His sister lives in my ward and he vouched for me. He's known me for years. He's like, hey, this is, you know, listen to this guy. He he might be the right candidate, which was great for me. I really appreciate that. Him. I, I told him that. Uh, and he said his sister actually wants to put a sign up for me. So I said, that's someone I haven't mm -hmm. met yet. Um, but he came back and the piece I'm going to tell you about this is, uh, he's like, I'm surprised you're going for council. I said, how so? He's like, well, I figured you go for mayor house or Senate. And I said, well, I appreciate that. I got to start somewhere. Um, <laughs> and so I, you what, know, you're, I, what you're telling me then is that in 10 years time, we're going to be seeing president Johnson. <laughs> Maybe? No, 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 no. I don't have the lawyer. Oh, let's see. Most of the people have either had a legal background or they've specifically had a constitutional law or they've gone into political law. I'm, I'm not planning on going that level, but I'm hoping that I can bring my communications background, my creative background, my emergency management background to benefit the local community. And maybe, who knows, it could be state eventually, I'm hoping. Um, I don't think I'll be making it Congress anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> if I do, I'll eat my own words. <laughs> but if I do that, I'll, I'll be hopefully talking to the Parliament buddy over there, right? <laughs> maybe, maybe. What? So we're gonna have Prime Minister Sanderson and President Johnson. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no, oh no, my, that, that would be that quite the allyship. <laughs> now, oh, um, uh, you are the first person I spoke to that's ever ran a political campaign. So I'm kind of curious to know what have you learned from doing that process and what might you want to adjust um, if you go for a second go? Is that the correct term? Second go? Second run? 
second, no, second yeah. run's fine. That works. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I learned a big lesson last week. So being my first time, it's the first time I put signs out. And I got my signs out nice and early. I wanted to get them out early uh, just to start building awareness of who I am. And uh, last or two weeks ago, my opponent announced he was running and his sign was going up last weekend. And so I get this trepidous anxiety seeing all the signs going up, thinking, oh, no, I need more signs. And, and a close friend of mine and my partner reminded me that it's not about the signs. It's not about the website. It's not about the social media. It's about meeting people and listening to their needs. So I, one thing I've learned from this whole thing is to shift and focus on the knocking on doors, the walking my puppies through the community and, and saying hi to people. Um, I met someone really friendly on Rug Street, walking the girls around the neighborhood um, that, that her son was a little fearful of the, the pups and they were great with them. You know, went right up and said hello and he was petting them. And it was like, it was that nice interaction. And I think that is what some people lack is getting out there and talking to people. Um, I know I've talked to a couple community members across the city who asked me, who is my council member? And I, I'm, I'm saddened by that. It's like, you really should get out to know your constituents. I know you're not going to meet everybody. I've got 1,100 voters in this ward, probably around 2,000 people with kids. Um, so you, you're not going to meet everyone. You hope to. But I think if you can get out there and meet the majority of them, they're going to tell their neighbors who you are. So when people ask who is our council member, who's our Ward 5 person, they'll say, oh, it's Eric Johnson. He's over on Ferris Street. And I, I think that's something I learned. So, Eric, thank you so much for this. I now am going to close this off with a little bit of a tradition that I have. Um, okay. These come from the Prost questionnaire, which were later adapted by Bernard Pivot and then by James Lipton, if you remember, inside the actor's studio. And mm -hmm. now I present my adaptation to you. The second person I spoke to has nodded to Inside the Actor's Studio. I can't believe it. Like, how do more people not watch that? I love that show. <laughs> anyway. I think Katie's more into that, I think. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm now Katie's best friend. Um, <laughs> so, the first question: What is your favorite word? Favorite word? Mm -hmm. Oh, well, it, it's kind of funny because it's always been because when I was a kid, grammatically, I had problems with um, I had ear infections, so I couldn't say things well. So when I finally was able to grammatically improve, um, I was able to say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and Wonderful that kind words. of became my favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> And what is your least favorite word? Hate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've used it. I think it's a, a strong word. I think it's actually a little bit stronger than most curses. I think hate means has so many different connotations, but all of them are just negative. You know, like if you say I hate this food, it's still so negative. It's like, hey, just, what don't you like about it? Don't just hate it. What What is your issue? Find out like what is the problem with that thing? And you can't just use hate as a generic like, I hate cars. Why do you hate cars? It's like, be a little more specific. So hate, I'm going to say, is my negative one. <laughs> what engages you? People. 100% people. I, I, uh, my partner uh, loves to talk, get out and be with people, but she needs recharge time. I'm the type that needs to get out and be around people to recharge. So the more I'm engaged with neighbors, friends, parties, um, I don't go clubbing really. I'm not a big fan. I'm normally deaf afterwards, but if I'm out in the club, it's like just being able to talk to people. So I get as far away from the music as I can and talk with people. It's like that, that engages me. Um, so yeah, doing events, like planning the festival of trees for seven months and then being able to go to some of the events and take pictures is like, that just engages me. And nice question. What disengages you? <sighs> that's a that's 
honestly, it's, it's, I think very little disengages me. I, I do get disappointed when something doesn't work out the way I wanted. Um, and sometimes I'll get to the point where I just kind of feel like, what was the point? Um, but then I'll have good people around me to help say, hey, you'll get it next time. You'll figure it out next time. Uh, and that kind of pulls me back up. But I, honestly, the only thing I think disengages me is like, and things just don't work out. It's like if a friend is hurt by something and I don't know what happened or the campaign, I don't win it. It's like, that's fine. I'll feel a little disengaged for a bit, but I'm going to get back into the community. I'm going to get out and do what I love. So I, I think that's what disengages me. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Oh, geez. Honestly, it's a lack of it. So in the wintertime, when the, the snow is everywhere and the birds are sleeping or they're hibernating and the animals are away, I mean, I live in the city, so it's not always quiet, but when you can hear, it's not really silence, but it's just this hush of the wind and the lack of everything you're used to hearing. And I love that sound. It's so calming. I know I say that, as I say, I feel engaged when I'm around people, but there are times when I just want to watch the grass grow and listen to just nothing. <laughs> so that sound makes me feel really good. <laughs> and what sound or noise, I know you don't like this word, but what sound or noise do you hate? <laughs> well we all hate this uh, chalkboard sound right the <laughs> um i i honestly i i think it's when people get really high pitched when they're yelling about something and that that pitch just kind of eats at you if you know what i mean it just kind of starts like getting deep into your head and you're like listen take a breath calm down tell me what the issue is you know that that just that high pitched squeal of uh, angry people <laughs> What is your favorite curse word? Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I feel like it's the least curse of curse words. Um, there's a place in, in in Milton called the Dam Store, which is a perfect play off of it because it's next to a dam. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like people always play off the, hey, I'm going to go to the Dam Store. All right. All right. We know where you're going. <laughs> so, yeah, my favorite curse word. <laughs> I think I like, I, I noticed this, like, yeah, it, it's 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 definitely that that bridge because I've, I've had guests in America, guests in the UK, guests in Australia, um, and the closer to Australia you get, the more fun the curse words and the more fun to that answer is. I've heard and that. Americans yeah. go, damn, and I'm like, oh, stop being so PG, <laughs> <laughs> let loose, swear for once. I, I mean, I, I I do. I mean, I know I know it's a bad connotation over there, but I do love how you guys like say I'll wanker, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, it's good. It's a good word. It's a good word. We use that quite often. Yeah. Uh, I use that all the time. Um, question I'm eight. Watching, yeah. Uh, oh dear. <laughs> question eight. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Honestly, it's going to be a, a, an interesting one. It's something I've always wanted to do, just even if it was just a couple for a part-time job or something, was um, like driving a big vehicle, like a bus or a truck or something like that. Um, but... The one dream I've always had, and I just never, that's one dream I never followed. I should have got into it, but um, flying. It's on my bucket list to get nine pilots license. I've flown once. Um, I would love to be, I think if I didn't do what I already love um, and I had an opportunity to just go back and redo it, um, I'd be a pilot. I'd still be involved in the community as much as I can, even though pilots are way more, but I'd be a pilot. And the opposite question, what profession would you not like to do? President. Um, what professional would I not want to do? Yeah, I mean, there's so many things I think I feel like I've done 
for careers. I've been an engineer. Um, I've worked in a system analyst. I've worked in an IT development company and I've worked for school communication specialists. So it's like, I've had a pretty diverse taste of jobs. Um, I've, you know, worked at Burger King. So I played custodian, I played cook, I played fryer and I didn't mind that at all. Um, honestly, I'm not sure what job I wouldn't want. Uh, maybe, maybe DCF, those folks have it hard. Um, people that go out and help with families, um, they have to help families either come back together, or figure out what to do with kids. I mean, I, I love the fact that there's people with passion about that, but I don't think I could do it. Um, I just, I, I have a heart for so many people, but I think I would take it so much to heart that I would want to help. Like, I'd want to adopt every kid that didn't have an opportunity and it, it would be hard. We have a small home. <laughs> I think I could infer there, but um, we don't have that active over here. We'll probably have a different job title, DCF. Oh, uh, Department of Children and Families. Uh, there's, it's okay. different in every state too. Every state calls it something else. Yeah, so social work over here for us in the UK. Yeah. And I think it might be the best one. Uh, those cool. are the people that are work under those departments are called social workers. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, last question of this questionnaire. If you could say only one statement to any one person, what would that statement be and who would that person be? I'd almost say anybody would hear this and it's some statement I've always loved, but if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I'm going to honestly say I love everything I do. Eric Johnson, thank you for your time.